As I've often preached, I am just a broken man, a broken preacher, preaching about a broken Savior who was broken because of our sins and that gospel. He shed His blood for you and I. Let's stand for the reading of God's Holy Word. We're just going to read just the very beginning of this story. We're not going to read all of this. And uh, uh, just uh, just a very simple, very simple passage in the book of Luke, a very famous story. I alluded to this uh, last fall, and, uh, and I was talking about up or down when you die. And uh, it was just an amazing experience that I'll uh, reference to. And uh, that's uh, when uh, Jacob... Baker got saved, and uh, here a while back, it's just a neat, neat time. I appreciate him and his courage, and uh, he made a beeline for Calvary, and he asked Jesus to save him. That was neat, and uh, I was glad I was able to be a small, small part of that. Luke 16, verse 19, there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. Father, I thank you for your holy word, and I thank you for answered prayer. I pray that no matter what our status in life, that we would turn to you before it's everlasting too late. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing, uh, for honoring God's holy word. Uh, As I put in the bulletin, as as you see there, liberalism, socialism, and uh, I called it, even though my spell uh, check didn't think it was a word, but there is a word called crazyism. And uh, I just made it up. But it's got to be a word because that's what's going on today in today's country. And we got crazyism just running rampant, and things are going nuts. Our country is, and people, there's always been crazy things happening and crazy things here and there. But, but, uh, and as I preached the other day about America's turning point, but I'm not really worried about people wanting to participate in sinful lifestyles as much as I am about us losing our freedom, we have to say, I disagree. <laughs> to say, I, I don't agree. <laughs> I believe this. And you and people criticize and, and, and stand to say, you can't believe that book anymore. Why can't I believe this book anymore? Why can't I believe that there's a God and there's a devil? There's a heaven and there's a hell. And that's the title for the morning message. Heaven or hell. Heaven and a hell. There is one. We all want God. We all want heaven. But we don't talk about that there's sin and there's, there's things. Why do we need a Savior? And why do we need a Jesus? And, and all of these things that we're facing. And it comes down to right is right and wrong is wrong. But so many people won't take a stand against sin and say, you know, it's okay to agree to disagree, to say that I think this is wrong. And you say, well, I don't think it's wrong, but 
What are you making? It's okay to disagree with me. People disagreed with Jesus. And he just said, he was just broken about it. He was just broken about their disagreeing with him. When the rich young ruler said, I can be a good person and get to heaven. And Jesus challenged him on it. And he, and the Bible says he went away sorrowful. Talking about the rich young ruler. Went away sorrowful. Well, Jesus was broken hearted too. And it tells me that I can take a stand for right and wrong. And you can too in this world. But the greatest message of all these, you can call them social um, topics or uh, social things that are going on, social problems and all these things. But the simple message of the gospel is what we need to lift up. We need to go back to the basics. We need to go back to their preaching on heaven and preaching on hell and preaching against sin. But And again, doing it with a heart of love because Jesus was was able to do it, not just with the woman caught in adultery. I was reading the book of Luke this week, and there was uh, there was another incident where Jesus stood against sin, but he he told him, he said, I forgive you, but and he told this other fellow, go and sin no more. So you can actually uh, 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 take a stand against, uh, you know, and people think, well, you're just picking on one sin. No, no, preachers have been preaching against all sins for all years, and whether it be... Uh, uh, you know, sex outside of marriage or just gossip or, or backbiting or whatever. I mean, you preach against it. So it's not just one sin, but you can take someone. It doesn't matter what sin you've fallen into. There can be forgiveness and restoration. And uh, I was begging the young ladies. The two, la- two ladies were sitting beside me while I go on the front pew. And I kind of got tickled. They looked at me and they said, do you have to sing? And uh, I said, well, you don't like my singing? No. <laughs> I said, I'm sorry. I'll sing quieter. They, truth comes out with kids. So I've already apologized this morning for my singing. <laughs> and uh, so I beg forgiveness if my singing has offended anybody. So there's somebody's glasses has been turned in. I just hit them. Oh, that's Miss Dina's. Okay, all right. We know who they belong to. I recognize them. Let's head on in the outline of heaven and hell and talking about it this morning for just a little while in Luke 16. All these different things that we're facing, and uh, I put in there in the first point this uh, what what we have here, this awesome story. And many of us have looked at this time and time again. If you hadn't, this is interesting. It's one of the few times that... Uh, by the way, God, Jesus doesn't use pers- uh, uh, names on parables, okay? But he named these guys. He didn't name the rich man in hell, uh, probably for good reason. You know, the Jews are very good at genealogy and different things, but he named Lazarus. And so this is a true story and, and what happened. Matter of fact, we have the time period. It happened in the Old Testament days. Uh, because they had Moses and the prophets, so this fellow had been around those, so at least that had taken place. But I put in there, it's not your status, it's not your income. Look at verse 20 in our text. It goes on to say that there, so we got the rich man in verse 19, and then you got a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores. And matter of fact, not only in desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, this is... um, Weird name for a dog, but it's, it's moreover the dog. Was that his name? 
Anyway, that, that's a weird name for a dog. Moreover, the dog came and licked his sores, and or dogs, and licked his sores. So this fellow didn't have a whole lot of friends. He didn't have a whole lot of popularity. He didn't have a lot going on. But the rich man, it says, it, Jesus made it specific. He fared sumptuously every day, clothed in purple. You, some say well, that signifies royalty. But it really, it signified more than that. It signified he had plenty of money because that was such an uncommon color to have and it was a color of a of higher echelon if you will of people and so he had all this going for him but folks it's not about who you are a lot of people in this world are basing on getting to heaven by who they are or, or how much money they have or what they've done but it, as i put in your outline it's not who you are it's whose you are it's who you belong to. It's who you know, and I know Jesus. You know, they say if you want something done in Hamburg or you want something done in, in Ashley County, you got to know the right people. Well, that may be true. <laughs> the same is true with going to heaven. <laughs> it's not really how much money you got or all these works. It's who you know. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? So you could literally say that is who you know. And so this rich man thought he was going to get to heaven because of whatever. And matter of fact, he might have been an atheist. But whenever he died and in hell, there's no atheist in hell. <laughs> there's no atheist in hell. You can be an atheist here on earth. And we're going to look at some principles. Did you know this story that we'll get to? This story teaches a principle you make your decision on this side of eternity. Because this story proves beyond a shadow of doubt, once you leave this side, there's no changing where you're living forever. There's no changing where you're living forever. In other words, wait, 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 I want a second chance. I want to go to the... Is there a waiting room? Is there a purgatory? Is there a hospital wait? Is there a heaven or hell waiting room? And then I can hopefully, prayerfully get another chance in the waiting room. Or maybe there's a denomination or whatever that may think that you can change direction in the waiting room. But that's not in the Bible anywhere that you can change direction in the waiting room there's not a waiting room there's not even a hesitation folks when your spirit and the bible teaches this in more than one place when your spirit leaves your body is going up or down now i know we don't like to think about it but do you think there's anybody buried in promised land cemetery whose spirit went to hell. We don't like to think about that. And I'm just trying to make it real. There are people that die and go to hell. We don't like to think about that. I have been criticized and, and somebody come up to me after a funeral and pulled me aside and said, how dare you preach like that at, at the funeral? I said, of all places, I need to preach like that at a funeral. And, of course, it was somebody, it was a family member, but they weren't really plugged into church anywhere. And that's, that's only happened three times in 30 years. It doesn't happen that often, but it's happened. People think, how dare you preach on, on heaven and hell and getting right and getting saved 
at a funeral. What, you just want me to brag on the person? You know, okay. <laughs> and, uh, but you need to ask somebody else to preach the funeral. If you don't want Jesus lifted up at your funeral, then don't ask me to preach your funeral. Okay? Because I'm going to lift up Jesus Christ and, and knowing Him as Savior and you better, and, and there's a heaven, there's a hell. And uh, we got to talk about it. And so it's not your income. It's even not your friends. Look at on the next part. Up or down when you die. Of course, I, I did not come up with that phrase. I've shared with y'all where I got that phrase. Uh, he's gone, gone on to be with the Lord. He passed away in 1994, I think. And that's Brother Roy Chapman, and who grew up in this area. And I'll never forget sitting in his evangelism class in 1986. He said, the other day I got on the hospital elevator to see my church member. And, I, and the people got in there with me. And it's something whenever you get in an elevator of seven other people and the preacher's ho- holding the button and he says, up or down when you die. And they're looking at him like, who did we just get on the elevator? We need to get off this elevator. <laughs> Where's this elevator going? <laughs> and, and, is this a special elevator? I don't know about being on this elevator, folks. That's a real question. Up or down when you die? Both of these men died. Both of them definitely had two totally different lives, didn't they? They had two totally different lives. And now they're dying. They both died. Death, all it means is separation. And so they had two totally different deaths. Look at it, verse 22. Look at it. It says, uh, and it came to pass, the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. I still, I think that still happens. I still think God sends an escort. And it's in the Bible. It backs it up. It talks about angels watching over us in some other places. Remember, angels are just servants of God. That's all they are. And at one point in time, God allowed some of them to have a little rebellion. But that, that was then. That's another sermon, another topic. But I still think probably this still happens. I can't prove it. I'm just going to believe it. Okay? All right. In verse 23, or excuse me, he died, and then the rich man died at the end of 22 and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And so just looking at that, these, these deaths, these two different deaths that happen, these two different deaths that happen, you've got a lot of stuff happening. And now there's, there, they go, they, they're still alive they're gonna live you're gonna live somewhere forever somewhere they can still think they can still make decisions in other words in the very first thing that we see with this rich man he's still selfish did you know most people if you stay selfish you never get saved now i've shared with you about my selfishness especially when i first got married (laughs) i i didn't think about it I'd been a bachelor for three years, got married in the first several years, and I've told you all, an easy illustration, when I walk into Walmart, I'm thinking, what I need? When when Karen walks into Walmart, she's thinking, what does Michael and the kids need? Wired totally different. (laughs) Totally different. I just is my natural is my natural inclination. This guy, he's still thinking about himself. He died, and in hell, he's lifted up his eyes, being in torments, which tells me a lot about hell. It tells me you can think, you can decide things, even though decisions are limited. He's still selfish. He can. He's still thirsty. He. Oh, by the way, we see that not only in heaven and hell, 
but you're known by your names. He called them by his names. Now, the Bible does say we get a new name later on after all the rewards are handed out. But again, neat point. But they knew him by name. They called him by name. He was still thirsty. He's feeling. He's thinking. He's, do you still have vision? Yeah, he's seeing. He's hearing. He's talking. He has a tongue. And cool my tongue. Alright, so he has all of these things. You can speak, you can remember. Folks, it's all real now. Let's look at verse 24. Verse 24, this is that, uh, what I call the selfish verse, because I am tormented in this flame. Let me go ahead and say this. A lot of people, selfishness is this. Selfishness breaks one of the Ten Commandments. You say, which one? Selfishness breaks the commandment of do not have any other gods before me. Most people that are selfish only think of themselves. Therefore, who who do they worship? Their self. Which what did you just do? you're, You're actually putting yourself. I want to do what makes me feel happy. I want to do what make, gives me satisfaction. I want to live life that pleases me. You're making a God out of yourself. You're worshiping yourself. You just broke one of the Ten Commandments. A lot of people say, I'm not ever bound down to an idol. You're the walking idol. You're literally worshiping yourself when you say, I will do what I want to do and nobody will tell me what to do. And a lot of times we have that independent, we think that's an independent American spirit. No, that's called sin. (laughs) That's called, I will not be broken, I will not bow down to God or anybody else. I am my own God. And you may not say it, but when you say, nobody's going to tell me what to do. But we all need to be broken before our Savior and before our God. And if that brokenness ever comes out, then it's just all this. But that's what this fellow experienced. And he lived life. And he enjoyed it. And folks, you got 70, 80, 90, what, I don't know how many years. And you can have some fun. But it's about that long, isn't it? And then there's a heaven and there's a hell. And so that's what happened with him. That's the selfish verse, verse 25. Verse 25 says this, but Abraham said, hey, I can't can't do that. Remember, hey, in your lifetime, you got your chance. Now, he's not saying the good works and all this, but what he was saying is, think about it. You had all those opportunities. Folks, verse 25 is it. Verse 25 is, is the verse that I was alluding to a while ago. It's the verse that tells me, you make your decision here. You make your future uh, reservations were on the road to, to Springfield, Illinois for the National ABA meeting. And we can't, we're going to stay halfway. We stayed in St. Louis. We made the reservations on the road. You can do that now with these smartphones. You get on there and you, you reserve a room. And we picked one out and we reserved it. And folks, you can do that. And guess what? You can do that with your eternal home too. You, right here, right now. If you haven't made your reservation in heaven, 
If your name is not written in the Lamb's book of life, today's the day. This is the opportunity. According to that verse, he's saying, you had your chance. That's what that verse is about. He made his reservation while he was laying at your gate and you didn't give him nothing. He was accepting Jesus as his Savior. That verse is saying you that this life is your chance. And by the way, after you get saved, how many years you got? You know what? I'll never forget Grandma Walker. 1988. I'm in seminary with a lady who gets saved at 88. And guess what she does? She enrolls in seminary with us young whippersnappers. And men in Louisiana, she enrolls in seminary taking Bible classes. And I asked her, I asked her, I said, why? She says, I got a lot of catching up to do. You got this life. And after you get saved, you got still just a short amount of time. What are you going to do with it for the Lord? It's this life you make your decisions. It's this life you make your reservations. And folks, y'all know this as well as I do. It's only this life that you can serve the Lord. And you say, well, we'll serve Him in heaven. That will be a different. That will be more of a uh, worship, a gl- time of glory, and also the sin will be removed. It will be cool. It's going to be awesome. I, I can't explain it. I'm not there yet. <laughs> How can I explain something I've never experienced? All I know is what my Bible tells me. It's going to be pretty awesome. And so he made his decision, and this is, I gotta hit this. Got it. We got perfect amount of time for this. I got chastised this week. Somebody said, would you stop looking at the clock? <laughs> but I know I got you, so let's look at it, okay? Look at, uh, I'm just gonna look at verse 27. He said, well, if I can't have anything to drink, <laughs> That's what I see in verse 27. That's what I see. I don't know what you see, but then I, then he said, then what he, what's after the then? Well, when he found out he couldn't have anything to drink. Therefore, would you, uh, therefore send him to my father's house? Because why? Because I have five brothers and he may testify to them. Because why? Why does, what does verse 28 say? Because I don't want them to come here either. If you could grit your teeth, I, I doubt God will allow this to happen, but if you could grit your teeth for five seconds and God would allow me and you to spend five seconds in hell, you and I would become the greatest missionaries on the planet. We would go nuts trying to tell people. But God is not going to give you and I that benefit. He's asking you just simply to believe this book and believe the words that you're reading this morning. And would you be willing enough if you have family members to warn them to tell them about hell. 
he was wanting to be a missionary. He was wanting Lazarus, can you send him? Is there any way for him to leave and go back? If I can't leave, can he go back? Can he go back? And this is what I've preached before, and y'all have heard me preach it before. And that's this. What's wrong? What kind of successful parenting? Man, my kids have Roth IRAs. They have great jobs. They make six figures a year. I got a doctor, a lawyer, or whatever. But what's wrong at this this man's house who was rich? His parents must have done pretty good for him to have that. They might have had a Ph.D. degree. I don't know. Might have inherited it all. I don't know. But you got one son in hell and five of them headed there. That's what he said. That's not successful parenting. And I pray that my kids accomplish all their goals. But the greatest goal I can have for any of my kids is for them to know Jesus Christ is their Savior. If you do that, you're a successful parent. And you can rejoice. Because they know Jesus Christ as their Savior. That's successful parenting. Not this one. He said, now let's just deal with this real quick. In verse 30, he said, uh, oh, excuse me, let me back up to verse 29. Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, no. Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, man, that'd be cool. If somebody was to pop out of uh, this this cemetery over here, and come over here and start preaching to you about how bad hell is, you would say, this is a hoax. There's something funny going on. They weren't really dead. Even though you know that maybe it's even one of our relatives. I don't think that's really my relative. (laughs) We would question, that's what he was getting at there. We think if God would just write it in the stars, they would say it's an accident. If God wrote it on a wall, He's done that before. <laughs> he's wrote stuff on walls before. He's Guess what? So if one of them went from the dead, I don't know if you know this, but God's raised people from the dead and still people rejected. And the most famous person He raised from the dead was His own Son, Jesus Christ. And there's still people rejecting Jesus today. So God's done all that. And He has wrote it in the stars. The Bible says the stars declare and sing. Somebody was, some, some scientists were, with this, all this high tech technology was, they realized that stars actually put off vibrations. And they, did you know stars put off vibrations which you know are frequencies? Did you know stars actually sing? So the heavens really are declaring His handiwork and the stars are actually singing His glory. And so God's done all that. He has raised people from the dead. And still people have a choice. And that's why He said, let them hear Moses and the prophets. Because why? It's an act of faith. Even with, And God's done His share of miracles. You say, well, I hadn't seen any of them. <laughs> well, plenty of people have, and if you saw one, you would still doubt. If you're doubting now, 
you'd dismiss it or you would rationalize it. You would just make it wash away. You'd say, ah, so God doesn't even have, he can't impress you with a miracle if he can't impress you with his word. Because his word is true and his word is sure and his word is going to come to pass. If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. As we prepare for him the invitation, let me tell you about the one that God raised from the dead. His name is Jesus. How did Lazarus get saved? How did Lazarus get saved? You say it's Old Testament. He got saved by saying that God would send a sacrifice. God would, and he did. You got saved by believing in that sacrifice. Jesus lived and died, rose again, so that you and I could claim his blood. He died for you, rose again. He loves you more than anything. Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for your word. There is a heaven, there is a hell. I pray that everybody in here this morning's headed to heaven. But it only can happen by them saying, I realize I'm a sinner. And Jesus, I need you to save me. And whatever way they say it, whatever way they pray it, dear Lord, it's got to happen. We have to be broken before you and give our life to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.